in a world where everyone does squats and lunges and bench press and everyone looks like they came straight out of Autos Jiu-Jitsu or perhaps a prison, wherever you are ripped and you use election performance. Imagine a world like that. Imagine a world where you are just using election performance like you use something in your life that is meant to be used every day to benefit <laughs> your health. Imagine that. Imagine that world. That's a world I live in, ladies and gentlemen. And you can have access to that for 25% off of the price that they make me pay. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> but listen. 25, uh, OpenGuardCast25 is a discount code you need to use. Go to electionperformance.com. This episode is brought to you by Electric Performance and Agro Brand. Eddie Welch, if you're listening, we think you're handsome and we think that your work is fantastic. I am joined. My name is Jake Watson, by the way. I always mess that up. I always say I am joined. No one knows who I am. Jake Watson, <laughs> Danny O'Donnell, and today we have Adam Ferrara, AJ Sosa Black Belt from Fort Lauderdale, Florida? Yep, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for having me on, guys course bro it's awesome to have you on um we uh we were talking a bit before the show about some of the stuff that's coming up i mean it looks like jujitsu is slowly kind of peeking its head out of the darkness and being like hey guess what we're back so i am so excited and you were talking a little bit about your your plans coming up so you want to go over a little bit of just a couple of the things you you're working towards and things that you're working on as far as jujitsu goes yeah, definitely. So the big the big goal right now for um, myself, my brother is also uh, a black belt uh, under AJ as well, and then um, AJ, uh, a couple other guys is getting ready for the trials. That's that's the big kind of goal. Kind of we've moved a little over to Nogi. Um, you know, uh, a little bit later we'll probably talk about my uh, my profession a little bit, but but I don't. Uh, get to train full time. So, um, you know, no gi uh, is kind of works a little bit better for that, especially I also coach high school wrestling. So I get more no gi training than gi. It's just a little harder to keep up with these guys in lapel games and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so, trials is the next big thing. And then if anything comes up, you know, super matches or anything, um, always trying to jump on some of those, maybe a tune up tournament here or there before the trials. We got about 10 weeks now. Till those are the first one, the East Coast trials. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be so awesome. Uh, I, I am uh, like I was telling you also, Adam. Uh, it's really cool to be able to meet so many awesome people in the jiu-jitsu community, and like yeah. I get to explore so many people's like lives and upbringings and how they got into jiu-jitsu. And I know Danny usually starts out with this question, but I'm gonna steal the <laughs> mic from him for a second. Go ahead. I would Thank very you. much like to hear how you got started in jiu-jitsu, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, so actually, I got started with jujitsu through wrestling, um, but it wasn't the kind of traditional, um, you know, wrestled in grade school and middle school type of thing, actually. Um, I got kind of into grappling like through proximity. So like I said, my brother uh, is a black belt in jujitsu, but before was like a standout wrestler. And he actually started wrestling in middle school. Um, so when I was in like eighth grade, he started wrestling. He was in sixth grade. He's two years younger than me. And, um, you know, he wrestled all the way through school and I actually, um, hated it at first. I was like very much, um, I was like kind of a punk little kid. I was into like, I went to punk shows and skateboarded and it was like anti, you know, sports in general. Right. So, uh, I didn't really want anything to do with it, but I was always going, you know, and supporting him. So I was around the scene a lot. Then at around 18 years old, actually, at my senior year of high school, 
um, being a punk kid, you get into trouble sometimes. So uh, I got into some trouble and my parents were just sick and tired of me. And they were like, you know what? We need to find you some outlets. You're going with your brother to wrestling. So I would have to go to the club wrestling with him. Uh, go in and I was 18 years old. I was really small at the time too, only like 115, 120 pounds. And I would just get wrecked by this incoming ninth grader who'd wrestled his whole life. And um, he uh, ended up being like a a two-time state champ in North Carolina. The kid's nasty, but he would just throw me around, and I was like, all right, I got to figure out something because I couldn't compete in wrestling. So most of those guys, if you're 18 years old, you know, like, and I was on a club team, if you go to an open tournament, you got guys that have been wrestling their whole life. So I wasn't anywhere near ready for that. So I was like, you know what? Why don't I find something similar to it? And I found jujitsu, and so I started doing jujitsu first for about six months. Uh, and really just as a way to try to compete because I couldn't in wrestling. Uh, so that was kind of my introduction. And then I just so happened to get really lucky. The first gym I was at, um, Bushesha came in shortly afterwards. And it was Bushesha and Paulito. It was a checkmat gym to start. And so I didn't really learn tons because I was only a white belt at the time. But I got exposed to competitive jujitsu and competitors that were around my age who were killing it. And so it just like, obviously right away, I was like, this is what I want to do. <laughs> Talk about exposure. You met, met the yeah. most decorated competitor of all time. Who's yeah. this guy? Yeah. Well, and it was funny. It was before he became, it was like right at the start of his like takeoff. So he had just gotten his black belt, him, uh, Paulito, so um, Gabriel Holo and uh, Bayano, um, Tiago Abreu. All three came to Florida at the same time. And those guys are, are just nasty. You know, they're all so good. But I didn't even know what I had at the time. You know, I'm just a white belt. But I would just get decimated by these guys. So I was like, man, I want to be them. You know, on top of yeah, getting sure. beaten up by a 14-year-old, you're like, all right, I need, <laughs> I want to be like that guy. You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was, uh, I was fortunate to be the 14-year-old. So <laughs> I, was, uh, I started really young. But that's a really awesome story of like, being the man like i can't even imagine like you look up the guy did you was it like you knew kind of bushesha or did you meet him and someone said hey that guy is like the best right now it was more that the the latter i i literally had a buddy that was at the gym who was uh they were two brothers that like my brother and myself who were blue belts and they were pretty good blue belts at the time and we were friends with them and they were like man like that guy's gonna like win the worlds this year you know like that guy's the guy and i'm like what do you like i don't even know i'm just like oh that's you know Bushesha. like you know like we all get guys like that right like you know you don't even realize what you have but it was really cool to see like they were just really down to earth guys man that was like the coolest part of it you know they really they didn't make you feel like they were you know cream yeah, of the crop sure. even though they were that's a yeah, cool so thing really, about jiu-jitsu i feel like yeah. danny would you would you agree a lot of jiu-jitsu athletes i feel like they don't act like that that's why it's so weird yeah. to see people like Gordon Ryan or like Dylan Danis or AJ Agazarm act so weird because you're like, dude, this is not jujitsu. You're trying yeah. to pull something from like pro wrestling into a sport that's <laughs> real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I get that they're trying to like bring you know more eyes to the sport, but mm -hmm. I feel like since jujitsu is such like a niche sport, even the top guys aren't like recognized walking down the street, so they don't have that like you know that kind yeah. of aura or they don't have any expectations about people thinking they're famous. Yeah. Read the room, bro. <laughs> I think those guys, like you said, though, it's more for, I don't think that's how they are in everyday life. Like if you met them, you know, if you were just at the gym, I, well, I don't know, not all of them, but like, I have a feeling most of them 
you know, wouldn't be that way. For sure. It's a good point. It's a very good point. I thought one thing that was really interesting about your story is that you said you started wrestling with like a club when you were 18. So like looking at like your matches and stuff, like you obviously have really good wrestling, really good takedowns, but you didn't like grow up like starting when you were four taking people down. So yeah. can you talk about like kind of like the learning curve in wrestling starting at, at 18, like a little bit later than most people start? Definitely. I actually think what really helped me a lot in wrestling. So uh, now I coach. So like um, I'm actually a, a high school English teacher, um, my day job. So um, I actually coach wrestling at the high school that I work at as well. I'm an assistant coach there. Um, it's the same program that my brother wrestled for. But what was really nice kind of coming into the room is I was learning jujitsu and wrestling at the same time. So like that fundamental wrestling style, uh, I never ever was like a super solid fundamental wrestler even when i wrestle with my kids now the thing that they always say is they're like coach you're just so funky like you do weird things that you're not supposed to do but you make them work and i think i've got a lot of that i borrowed from jujitsu so it's kind of been this nice hybrid and then it was also really good uh that i had a brother at the time when i came in um he had placed nationally at two off-season tournaments which made him a high school all-american uh and he had also been to the state tournament a few times so he was very experienced so like i had a personal coach who was a pretty decent level that helped me kind of like grow and it's it's one of those things where it's like if my brother's gonna be good like i better be good if i'm coming <laughs> into this room. that kind of pushed me a little bit too like it was my younger brother also so it was exactly. like and <laughs> I can't have him, the gap can't be this big forever, you know? Um, I think jujitsu and wrestling was like a big thing to kind of help with that learning curve because um, I do think sometimes in wrestling it's harder, faster, stronger, whereas in jujitsu sometimes I think technique is a little more thoughtful. So I got to see the way technique was kind of done in jujitsu classes and then apply it to some of the harder, faster, stronger mentality in wrestling if that makes sense yeah yeah definitely i think it's also cool how your day job kind of like like yes you're obviously teaching most of the day but you're also the assistant wrestling coach so like that kind of helps you get better at your your nogi grappling even though it's something that you know you're doing to to make ends meet yeah definitely i actually for me like um you know since i started jujitsu so late and i was 18 like i always had responsibilities that I had to get done. So it was like, if you wanted to train, you know, like I was 18 years old. And like I said, my parents were kind of sick of me at the time for getting into all that trouble. <laughs> but it was like, I needed to have a job. Um, they wanted me in school, you know? So like through my whole lower belt career all the way up until black belt uh, and, and now through it, um, I've had a job and I've gone to school. You know, and the way that I looked at it is, um, you know, my brother got offers to go um, wrestle in uh, school, but he, he ended up staying because he fell in love with jujitsu with me and we wanted to kind of do it together, you know. Um, but uh, I kind of look at it like those wrestlers, right? Like those guys, um, they go to class all day and they have responsibilities that they have to take care of on top of getting training done. So I've always tried to approach it the same way uh, and just make my schedule fit. Like it was always jujitsu first and then you fit your classes around it and you yeah. fit your job around it. Um, so I was really lucky that the high school that I got into, you know, the hours, I'm there seven to three. I go three to five to a wrestling practice. Then I go hit my training. So I'm still getting two trainings a day, you know, um, and I still get to kind of keep 
that uh, lifestyle that I that I need. You know, I have a, a, a family, you know, a wife and a baby on the way. So you had to pay the bills. I couldn't jujitsu bomb it like I wanted to. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. That's beautiful to hear. Oh, thanks, you're gonna, man. You're gonna have a you have a family, but um, so okay, you teach. You said you teach high school. Yeah. Uh, what subject do you teach? I teach English for seniors. Oh. Yeah. Man, that sounds. That's tough group. That sounds like <laughs> a tough group, man. So I teach AP uh, literature. So like I have like legitimately, my kids are smarter than I am, man. Like they're the the <laughs> highly motivated. Like I've taught all sub are are all um, grade levels, and I've taught all skill levels. But I've gotten to a point since I have a literature degree where I get to teach the highest level kids. So like don't get it twisted. I'm blessed. Like my kids are so easy comparatively to what other people have to deal with. My kids are the ones who are like, I need a a recommendation letter to get into, you know, Harvard. You're like, what? You You know, in high school, I was like, I just want to pass the course, you know, (laughs) other than English. I, I always did well in English, but other than that, nah. Man, I took an AP U.S. history class when I was a junior in high school, and that was the worst mistake I've ever made. That was awful. <laughs> and it was like, that, okay, worst mistake, let's calm down. But, I like, I just, Mr. Biz, Patrick Farley was my teacher, and I tried to charm my way through the class. Like, I don't know why I signed up for AP. I thought it was, you know, going to be easier than it was, which it wasn't. Um, but, he, like, I actually felt so out of place because all the kids were way smarter than me, and I actually got made fun of for being unintelligent for the class. <laughs> High school's a ruthless place, dude. Yeah, I don't know how you teach. You teach 18-year-olds. It's like people who think they're really adults just because yeah. they're 18. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, they all know that I coach the wrestling. Like, I don't really talk much about, like, you know, I don't really bring my accolades up or anything. But, like, they all know. And, like, I do make it a point, like, every year in the wrestling room to take the biggest kid and the meanest looking kid and make sure that everybody sees me whoop that kid because uh, <laughs> i get to wrestle with them so it word spreads they're like yo you don't want to mess with that guy like don't just don't hey mr ferrara will fear beat you up bro <laughs> fear like, mr ferrara that guy like, yeah he will double leg you he high crotch me he slammed me on my neck exactly because <laughs> i asked him to use the restroom do you throw submissions <laughs> in there too when you go with them uh if if we're like messing around if they like you know if they like uh some kids will like ask me you know i've gotten challenges all the time like uh you couldn't tap me out and i'll give them a time frame i'll be like i'll bet you i can tap you in less than 30 seconds and they'll be like no i'll do some flying flying arm bar or something because they're all wrestlers they're gonna call their tie heavy and they don't know what it is i'm like what if i just pull guard you guys don't realize i don't have to take you down to make this work you know it's so funny they're like all i gotta do is watch the shot and then you yeah. sit guard and they're like exactly what? exactly yeah it's funny man but i got a lot of kids now that are like former high schoolers who are starting are former wrestlers of mine that are starting to get into jujitsu now it's a really good avenue to get those kids who maybe aren't college level or don't want to do it in college it's a grind man you know uh mm-hmm. it's not necessarily always as fun as uh jujitsu can be especially at that level they own you you know if you're getting a scholarship you got to be there, you know? Yeah, that's very true. Sure. I One thing I've noticed from teaching kids um, in jiu-jitsu, and I've been assisting the kids' class for a while, but now I actually run the kids' program in my academy. And I actually uh, – I have a triangle setup that I did for a while, <clears throat> and I haven't competed in a minute, so I haven't had a chance to use it. But um, 
I, I developed this triangle set of watching like some of the teenage kids messing around with the lapel and clothes guard and they like wrapped it around the arm as many times as they could. And I was like, wait a minute, you could totally like wrap it around one more time and do this. How, do you feel like um, teaching is an environment where you can also learn from your kids too? Or is there anything that you like, this may sound kind of silly, but like, is there anything you have like thought of and really opened your mind just by like watching the kids you teach wrestle? Yeah, I mean, definitely like the, uh, especially in like, play wrestling so like we we call it uh flow rolling right but in wrestling they have like they have play wrestling and then you're going live right so like um you know i get kids just like you might get like a a young kid or or even like a, a white or a, a new blue belt that's like hey what do you think of this you know what i mean and they pull out something crazy but maybe a piece of that maybe there's like a, a grip that they did or maybe um a little slight adjustment that they made that uh, i didn't see that like mm-hmm. Maybe even if the whole move isn't quite good that they're showing me, like there could be a part of it that I'm like, oh, wait, but that could be something I never thought of. You know, like sometimes a fresh set of eyes, like, you know, once you get to black belt, it's not like you've seen everything, but you've seen a lot of things. You've been exposed to stuff and you kind of start to to weed it out. But it it kind of forces you when they ask you those questions to really examine it. Like what parts of this could work? What parts of this uh, are really just not effective at all yeah yeah so if it's not even the whole move maybe just like a a, a, like a movement that they do that i really like you know yeah one thing that i kind of noticed i'm not like super up to date on like high level wrestlers and how they train and stuff but i noticed that a lot of them like when i go on youtube like recently i think it was like frank chamizo i was watching he was doing like a lot of play wrestling and talking about that how they don't they, they scale back the intensity quite a bit but you don't really hear about high level jiu-jitsu guys like oh i flow roll twice a week or anything like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do, do you feel do you feel like that's something that jiu-jitsu can pull from wrestling like i don't know maybe that like experimental type training or the that type of training where the intensity is scaled back quite a bit yeah i mean i think in wrestling especially some stuff that i like definitely try to pull from wrestling into jiu-jitsu one I love flow rolling, especially to like start. Like I know there's some guys who are like, I never will flow roll. Like if we roll, I'm rolling <laughs> to the death every yeah. time. Like, I, and look, if we're in a real training session, like that's how I'm, I'm there because, you know, I only have selected times where I can train. So I try to get the most out of my session. So I'm going hard, but like a step, especially to start, I can tell what somebody knows, like where their technical level is through a flow roll much better than I can through a, like a live hard roll. If you can't keep up with me and we're just doing grip breaks or like say you throw a lasso, I rotate my hand to the outside and you don't have an answer when I rotate my hand to the outside and we're just playing around, that's a that's a gap in your jujitsu. You know what I mean? And yeah you're going to get passed in a live setting, right? Like I rotate my hand to the outside. I'm looking either to grab both pants and drag, or I'm looking Toriando, right? I'm, you may not see that in a live setting. Whereas if we're just drilling, I can feel like, Oh, Hey, you missed that grip or Hey, foot's in the wrong place. I'm going to be able to smash it down here. Some you know, things along those lines. Yeah. And I think, Play, playing around and flowing really helps there. The other thing that wrestling does a lot more than jujitsu, and not, not necessarily that jujitsu doesn't do it, because I have seen gyms, but positional sparring, where we start yeah. with maybe you have a single leg up on the mat, uh, off the mat, right? I have a single leg when it's in my armpit. I have a single leg when we're on the mat, right? Those are different scenarios that are all single leg. Um, I don't know if jujitsu quite 
I think guys do this very at a high level, but I wouldn't say that you see this unif like as a uniform thing. Whereas For in sure. wrestling, those two things you're always going to see because the risk of getting hurt is so much higher. I can't have these kids going six, six minute live goes. They will kill each other and they will be hurt. You know, so we got to find other ways to get that sweat in, get that muscle memory built. Uh, we do a lot of stuff where it's like hard in, easy out too. So like it's once it's hard to get to that leg, but once you get to it, you let him finish, right? Or you go easy in, hard out. I get to your leg, but the second I touch it, you're sprawling and going as hard as you can, right? So we create those live situations, but we don't necessarily try to beat their body down as much because it the sport will do that itself. You know, the wrestling season is so short and compact. Uh, these guys get really beat up, you know, by the end of it. That is incredibly insightful, actually. D- Danny, yeah, I was going to say there's so many, like, things I can think of ways to incorporate that into jiu-jitsu. Like, you know, pulling guard into your preferred gripping sequence or preferred guard position. And then, you know, the guy's fighting when you're trying to sweep him. Stuff yeah. like that. Or even, like, submissions. Like, yeah, the possibilities are pretty endless, I feel like. Definitely. Danny, the question I had for you was do uh does does marcio incorporate that at marcio andre jiu-jitsu uh, a lot of positional yeah. training and a lot of like like for me one of the things that has helped me out is a lot of like starting in a bad position as well like understanding yeah. that you don't want to be like uh for example like let's say there's a high level competitor that you've never seen get put in a bad position and he makes a mistake once in tournament and then he gets beat up like crazy like he just you're like whoa dude as soon as he got put in side control it was like mount back choke like there was no side mount defense that's something that I don't want to be like. I don't want to like get because that could happen, man. Like statistically, people in their first year at black belt aren't kind in Duarch. Like they're just <laughs> they're, they're yeah, a black belt in their first year. So not everyone's just gonna go win everything. Um, like me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Bro, I'm right there with you. I'm trying to recreate the magic from Brown. It's not, and I'm three years in. You know, it's still figuring it out. The magic, the magic from I didn't have the magic from Brown necessarily. I just uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm learning still. But what I, what I mean is, um, starting in a bad position and working your way out, or even like okay, yeah, start in your favorite position. Hey, person on top, you have to defend. Person on bottom, you have to sweep, and that's that's the goal. And it's like that's the go, and it puts you in this like it takes out the middleman of having to set it up to get there that you might not be that good at, or that you may never get to against your specific partner anyway. And it just, I like that you're they're bringing that up from a wrestling perspective as well and um i think that a lot of gyms should do that i I, okay let me ask you what's your opinion on the drill versus roll debate because we haven't brought this up on the show in a while you know kit dale famously says drilling's dumb i don't like it yeah Yeah. (laughs) so i like i'm kind of split because i do think that there is static drilling that isn't really that beneficial Right. So like, I'll give you the example from a wrestling standpoint, right? Um, Watching jujitsu guys drill doubles and single legs, right? You'll normally have one guy standing there like a scarecrow and the other guy is doing a penetration step to get to the double leg. Okay. Now, tell me when that guy is standing straight up for you to take that double leg in a live setting, right? So that drill is not that good. However, say I go and I work on wrist control then I climb one arm, then the other arm, I push him, I pull him, then I take my shot. That's a real movement, right? A push-pull to a snap or a push-pull to a drag. Those are real movements. And I'm that type of drilling, we do a lot, but it needs to feel real. They need to be hand fighting beforehand 
to take their shot. It shouldn't just be I shoot, then you shoot, then I shoot, then you shoot. There should be in wrestling, the way I make my wrestlers do it is we'll have a drill and I tell them everything starts from wrists and then you have to work to your inside tie. You have to push and pull. Now, after you push and pull, you can snap, you can duck, you can drag, or you can pass okay, to whatever shot you'd like. Once you take him down, your hands are on him. He has to work his way back up. Then he's hand fighting to the same thing on you. Wrists, push, pull, snap to his shot. You see how that, it's still yeah. drilling, yeah. but it's a lot more effective than I'm standing there statically drilling. Okay, so you're saying basically that it should be taken in stages. Like at the very, very beginning stage, that kind of drilling aforementioned that is not that good is okay because you need to learn right. how to take a penetration step. But right. then once you understand that, now you have the muscle memory of how to penetrate. Now it's time to get a little more specific. Okay, now you have to actually set up the situation in which you would take the shot. Then you get it even more specific, and that's how drilling should be handled. Yeah, I mean, and you can build off that. Like, say, say we wanna we wanna work the other guy too. So, say we we do that whole setup. We take a shot. Now, what happens if I make the partner sprawl? Right. So now he sprawls on you. Now you have to do a knee slide and take another penetration step to finish your shot. Or maybe I make you do all that work and he sprawls, but I make the guy who got shot on score. Right. So now we can have this sort of building block progression where like I may take beginners and just tell them I want you to work wrists, inside tie, push, pull, snap. Right. That's all you're doing. But as they get better, okay, now I want your partner to give you resistance. Now I want him to sprawl and you have to work two shots. Now I want him to sprawl and score, right? So now I've got all these situations, but the kids are always working on wrists, push, pull to something, right? Mm -hmm. So that setup's ingrained and then we can build from there. You know, that that's the way that my coach, the head coach that's there, that's his big philosophy. And he did a, he's a very technical guy uh, in wrestling, which doesn't always happen, but he's very technically minded. So those types of things are really what we try to incorporate from a drilling standpoint. And then for me, live rolling, um, flow rolling, you know, like we talked about play wrestling, flow rolling. Uh, I think those are important. Now you, you can't get away with, with no, no live training. Like, you're gonna troubleshoot there the most, right? And I think if I could, that's where I'd like to spend most of my time, especially when I started, right? Uh, I think as I've gotten older, as my body's taken damage, you'll see me do the first two more than I do, you know, as much hard sparring. My hard sparring, I still have to have it, but it's reduced a lot as I've gotten older, you know, you know, I mean, I started at 18, I'm 30, you know, I'm not like super old, but it, it's different, you know? So I think, I think they're both beneficial, but, but I do get where some people like Kit Dale gets frustrated with it. Cause I do see a lot of people static drill from one position. And I'm like, man, unless that perfect scenario happens, like it's probably not going to be like that, you know? Yeah. One thing that really stands out to me is I feel like in jujitsu, sometimes one person's drilling and the other person is just kind of mindless. They're not actively engaged. And like what yeah. you talked about with like, you know, the wrist control, the the push pull, the snap, like that kind of requires some energy or some like thought from the other partner. So do you, would you agree with that? Both of you guys? Yeah, no, I think 100%. you hit the nail right on the head. 
Yeah, because to keep in mind, when you're not practicing, you're still practicing. If you are at any yeah. point in your like, if you're on the mat, this is one thing, Andre. This is why uh, I, I I'm like an, an I don't want to say Nazi because that's politically incorrect, <laughs> but uh, like I'm just so like like pinpoint accurate about everything I I do, and I'm trying to help all the students do the same thing because I was taught this way. Um, he he was always saying even if you're on the mat, you're practicing. Like how you how you from from everything to how you run to how you roll to how you make grips, it should all be perfect. Like you should all strive to do it the best you can. There is no part of the move that you're not trying to do correctly. If you're if someone is doing the move on you, unless I tell you to give an improper reaction, you don't give an improper reaction because mm -hmm. that is how it's supposed to be. Are you ever gonna fight somebody that's gonna lay on their back with their arms out by their side? Like no, put your elbows in. You would never do that. I was like, put your elbows in frame unless i tell you hey we're fighting a guy who puts his elbows out okay then take that opportunity <laughs> but if you're always used to people giving you the right reaction you'll never be led astray you'll never be do a sweep wrong that's why like a big part of every sweep like if you've been practicing a sweep from single x and your partner falls incorrectly and you're like that wasn't even my fault like he was falling before i even swept him that's something we try to reduce the chance of happening because yeah and one you could get hurt two you're gonna develop a super unhealthy habit you know i think a uh a white belt that has been taught correctly is more dangerous than a blue belt that's been taught incorrectly. So sure, it's 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 pretty powerful for me. Well, and I see it in uh, I see it in jujitsu um, in jujitsu gyms too. Like I do see some of this as well. Like a good example could be grip breaks and um, you know getting to certain guards. Like we do a drill a lot that's like transitioning between guards. Where on bottom I'm moving between maybe. Delaheva to a lasso to a spider lasso, taking the spider lasso out, putting it back, you know, and then making the other guy now, if he grabs for my collar, breaking that grip, rotating to the outside where both guys are working. So I do think jujitsu does incorporate it, um, but I, I and I think if they're good, they definitely should be. But I definitely agree with your professor, man. Uh, if you're on the mat, you're you should be trying to do it as right as possible. Oh yeah, my my, my professor's like. Uh... I imagine if he if he were if he liked wearing suits, he'd wear a suit every day. He, <laughs> he hates wearing suits, but he actually he does. Uh, you'll never see him. And uh, I've been like I used to when I was a kid. I used to try to look out for it, but he won't wear his his belt bar is always on the right side. Like he everything is like cut and dry. His gi is never dirty. It's like the whitest gi. He even has like he soaks them in OxyClean and Lysol laundry sanitizer. <laughs> like. He is clean, man. Like it's like a he's a businessman. He's never like he never looks like me where my hair is all weird. He's always clean shaven, has a nice haircut. I'm like, man, this guy is like a bit like this is business plus jujitsu. That's what it is. And I he's even like now that I work under him, he's like, yeah, uh, you, I want you to you know cut your hair, <laughs> get have long unkempt hair. Like I I was growing my hair out before I fought Gabriel Arges, and I was trying to grow it out. Like I wanted to grow it out to my shoulders. And this, uh, my professor made fun of me so hard that I actually got really embarrassed. Like he made fun of me in the middle of class. I'm a black belt. Like I'm like on the mat. I feel good about myself already, kind of. And he makes fun of me so hard that that next morning I got a haircut. Oh my That's god! How, and he's like my he's like a father figure. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's like an uncle. So for me to to get made roasted by my my, my jujitsu uncle was pretty rough, man. Sorry, I brought up something traumatizing. No, 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 <laughs> middle of our interview. He's professional, man. He's got to be professional. He is a professional, <laughs> and I think um, being a being a high school 
professor, really. I mean, because you're teaching an AP, you're teaching a college course at high school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how has that experience? Do you do you coach jujitsu at all? Uh, I do. Like, I'll, I obviously I help out at AJ's gym. Um, I'll, my brother and I do um, seminars, private lessons, and those things when we can. So I've definitely done a lot of that. But it, most of my like coaching is. The, that wrestling team takes up a lot. You know, the season's long, but it, we're a full-year program. I mean, I we do off-season tournaments, all that sort of stuff. How much has your jiu-jitsu life affected your approach to teaching high school? I think, man, I think jiu-jitsu really – jiu-jitsu and the, the sort of philosophy that I kind of um, – you know, lifestyle philosophy that I've got, it, it permeates into everything, man. You know, um, I was – 23 when I started teaching so I'm teaching kids who are like four or five years younger than me so you want to talk about um presentation right like you talk about um Andre's his name right your your uh, professor yes, Andre um, you talk about presentation like that was a big thing for me like everything need, I needed to be even more uh ready and prepared because I knew I looked so young right so I want to make sure that I'm uh putting my best foot forward right but um as far as like how jujitsu kind of helps, I mean, I think I, I, I approach life through, through jujitsu, you know what I mean? Um, it's kind of the way that I, I navigate everything. So just being able to deal with challenges, um, being able to deal with um, situations and students who are not always, you know, happy with everything that you're making them do and don't always want to do it, you know, um, just, I think with everything, it really, um, it's really helped me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of looking young, uh, how <laughs> how old do you think my co-host is? If you've so, if you've watched an episode, you might know. So oh, I actually think for some, I, I Danny, your name is familiar. Did you ever compete light feather and feather? Yeah. Because I think you yeah, may have yeah. come up through the belt, belt. around. Yeah. yeah, I think we competed in some of the same division. So I think he's oh, close crazy. to eight. So I would say what, like 28, 29? 31. Close. Pretty close. close. You, bro. <laughs> You're a little bit older than me. You're a little older. Yeah. I'm 30. And as of today, I'm ending that joke. No <laughs> Cody Steele got it well, right he, last he week. Had, Adam had context clues. so uh, He did. He yeah, I did. <laughs> but I wanted to say that that running joke is now over. I'm not going to make you guess Danny's is. I'm 22. Oh, man. Yeah, awesome. a decade, a decade 20, younger, a, a whole decade younger than Danny. Um, <laughs> Twenty-two in a black belt, that's awesome, dude. I appreciate so that, awesome. man. I, that's uh, awesome. I, I, I'm just loving, I'm loving life. I started when I was twelve, and I've known Andre since I was twelve. Like, I've been, he's been my coach for a decade. But, um, I appreciate that. That was not like a segue into uh, talking about my age. It was just, it's been a funny running joke on the show because I can't, I couldn't believe Danny when he told me he was thirty-one. So that's the retirement of the joke. No more. Cody Steele got the answer actually right, like on the dot last week. Oh, really? on a whim. Yeah, he said 31. And he was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Cody Steele, good job. But um, yeah, no, that, the, that was that was it. That yeah, was I did. Man, when I first started teaching, like my first day, man, I walked into the, the teacher's bathroom and I literally had a teacher be like, this is the faculty bathroom and i was—I know i opened it with my faculty key bro like this is my key you know so here somehow it took it took a couple of years like now i've been there so long you know like now that it's not a big deal but like my first couple of years it was i would have students all the time that are like you're like my age you know what i mean 
Like, well, not really. I just look like I'm underage. It's so funny. So one thing I want to get into too, it's kind of a segue from the professional aspect of things you're talking about, but you mentioned that you kind of want to get into more no-gi, like professional type of tournaments and maybe drifting slightly away from like the IBJJF gi type stuff. And that was a conversation, that was like a big talking point of our podcast with AJ. So um, do you kind of want to talk about like how you feel that those two things are kind of like, or if you even agree with this, if you feel like the gi professional scene and the no-gi pre- professional scene are kind of growing apart. Yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, and then for me, like personally, like I just think uh, it, I definitely think specializing is happening more and more. Um, I think that the rule sets are getting the strategies like the metagame, right, um, are getting further and further away. Like, can you be good at both? Definitely. We've seen guys that their styles kind of uh, transcend. But I think more and more it's becoming really, really difficult, right? Um, like uh, like for myself, I kind of noticed it at Brown Belt. So in the PANS finals, I fought Pablo Manavani uh, and very good in gi. And he's actually good in yogi as well. I mean, he's good in gi, but um, put me in worm guard. And like, I didn't get destroyed there or anything, but I just felt like I was behind, right? Um, and then looking at my training from like a, a logical standpoint, where get the most training i have a wrestling that i teach every day right and then i have um basically uh you know time after that where i can get um training in i don't have any mornings that i can utilize because i'm at work right so where am i going to get the most trainings i'm probably not going to be able to get two gi trainings a day but i am able to get uh two no gi type trainings or a wrestling and a no gi or a wrestling and a lifting session you know that'll kind of uh, I think better suit me for ADCC. And then my style um, has always been wrestling oriented, um, not necessarily even just wrestling from the feet. I wrestle really well off my butt, which is like a new trend that's kind of happening, but I've been doing it for a while. Um, so I think that the style um, that I have suits it really well. I can get better training in it. And then, um, you know, I just don't think I have the time to get the lapel tricks and all the grip breaks um, and all of those things that I would have been able to when I was younger and didn't have as many of the responsibilities. Like for me now, it's really getting my training structured because I only have specific times I can do it. So I'm trying to optimize as much as I can. Yeah, you mentioned the... Oh, go ahead, Jake. No, I was going to say what weight is he going to sign up for, but you probably had a much smarter question. That's kind of (laughs) just a question leading off of ADCC. But Danny, ask your question. Yeah, so I was because you brought up the lapels a couple of times, but I feel like the lapels in the gi and then the heel hooks no gi are like two things that you really have to put a lot of time into if you want to be an elite competitor, and they're completely obsolete in each other's rule sets. So like anything you learn about lapel isn't going to help your leg lock game and vice versa. Right. So like, do, do you feel like uh, since you've started to kind of commit to no gi more? You've had to, I, I don't know, I'm sure you knew the leg locks before, but is it something that you've kind of invested even more time into than you were previously? Definitely. Um, so in IBJJF, like actually, and, um, you know, really throughout my career, I've been good at leg locks. Like toehold knee bars are like what I kind of made my living off of. Um, so I was really good at those, but I'd never really played much with heel hooks uh, until I started getting ready for the 145-pound Jits King. And I actually did end up getting leg locked, bastard. Um, <laughs> and uh, 
and, and some of that really kind of was a good thing because now going into the trials, we've gotten really, I was always the one in my gym who was kind of the leg locker. So I was always going after people. And in my gym, when I started touching feet, people didn't play back with me. So I was very good at attacking leg locks, but I wasn't as good as defending them. So we've changed up a lot of it. Like we do um, shootouts where basically you have to start with uh, an ankle lock grip, uh, like an ashy with an ankle lock grip, and the other guy starts with the same thing. So you're in kind of like this 50-50, and then you're not allowed to disengage. You have to attack, and if you disengage, you have to go back to that um, ashy with a straight ankle. So it, it's forcing people to attack me more and they're not as concerned because it's not a full role it's just in situational so if i do catch them they're like ah you only caught me because i let you start in that position right <laughs> so it makes it the ego battle a little less and it's been really helpful for me i will say even considering myself somebody who liked leg locks i was very fearful of them and slipping them and when people would get them uh and this kind of drilling style has been a big focus and it's i think some of it's just not is the fear of the unknown, right? Um, with leg locks, especially. So I definitely have been doing a lot more training focused on, you know, getting better in that area. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we've, man. Uh, we, we've had a big opportunity to talk to um, Enrico Vau and like, I, I got to talk to Kit a little bit about how he had perceived the ADCC struggles and um, what you need to prepare for. It seems like, dude, wrestling is such a huge thing. It is, it's like really, uh, I, I've said this before, a common misconception is that ADCC is a grappling, is a, is a jiu-jitsu tournament. It is a submission grappling tournament. And that right. means wrestling is gigantic. And that's an interesting advantage you're going to have going in. Um, just understanding like, man, you got to make their shoulders touch. And that is like, for wrestlers, you're like, okay, like, <laughs> us too. That's like, easy. <laughs> like, welcome to our life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um my question was going to be, what weight are you going to sign up for? I imagine, is it going to be 77 or 66 kilos? 66. So I'm 66. going to do 66. My brother is actually a little heavier than I am. Um, uh, he is going to do 77. And then uh, AJ, I think, is looking to do either 77 or 88. I don't think he's really fully committed yet. It depends on how heavy he is. AJ, well, he needs to, you better <laughs> tell him that uh, Jake and Danny are going to be spamming his instagram every single day until he blocks us if he decides if he doesn't decide to uh do the tournament because man it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing event dude like yeah a lot of people are gonna it's gonna be a very special adcc i think just kind of due to how everything has been happening in the world um and it's gonna be very like man everybody's gonna be chomping at the bit to go back at a tournament and the the biggest most prestigious nogi title in the world coming up right out of coronavirus like mo is ambitious for 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 it but i'm very very i think that he's gonna put it all together uh, have you ever competed adcc trials before i haven't actually um right around the last uh the last ones i was um uh my wife and i were getting married so we didn't i just couldn't end up uh you know making it work um so oh, uh, i guess I, yeah right <laughs> <laughs> but um I had a buddy who did it who um, did very, very well. His name's Sal Guerrero, and I trained with him, like, constantly. And he took third at the East Coast Trials in 66. And then he lost in the bronze medal match to Richard Alacron in uh, the West Coast Trials. So he lost to Keith Krikorian both times. But um, he had a great performance, and he's, like, a really good friend of mine. I trained with him constantly. And 
was a really good wrestler himself and, and kind of showed a strategy that could do very well. So I'm excited to try to try to uh, improve on where, you know, he kind of where he showed strength last year. Or yeah, I think I, I think I saw him compete at the East Coast Trials. I think I remembered seeing him get some really cool takedowns. And uh, yeah, he, he yeah. did have a really cool style. So are there any like because um, I think the, the trials are almost as cool as the, the event just because everyone's like gunning for that spot. So everyone's like bringing like a lot of intensity. Are there any like competitors that you anticipate like facing in the trials that you're preparing for specifically or is it just kind of like honing your wrestling skills and making sure you're up to date with the leg locks and doing your game yeah i mean i i'm i always try more and more because i am like i'm a i'm a fan of jiu-jitsu you know like i i am kind of like a, a nerd in that respect I, I follow the sport but i try as much as i can especially when it comes to those bigger events to um focus on the things that i need to get done because i think sometimes you get into that fan mentality and you get worried about certain people you know um Though, I mean, obviously, there are definitely some guys that I would I would love to face that I just think are really, really good. Obviously, Ethan Krellinston's probably the, the hands-down favorite right now just with his activity and the stuff that he's been able to do. He's probably the favorite. Um, so I'd love to have a match with him. I'd love to see where I, where I match up. Um, and then, obviously, little the little Tackett's been killing everybody, and I know yeah. he's just, like, hungry yeah. and going after it. So I'm sure he'll be in that bracket. Um you know, he was in the Jits, Jits King bracket I was in. And then the guy that I faced at Jits King, uh, I'd love to have a rematch with. His name is uh, Emilio Hernandez. Um, yeah. Pretty decent guy. Uh, I jumped a flying triangle on him in the beginning and had it locked. He got out and caught me in a knee bar. So it was a crazy match. Um, but I'd like to have that one back. Um, but really, like, nobody necessarily that I, I, would, that I have to have. You know, I just want to kind of handle business um, and, you know, hopefully walk away with a gold so I don't have to do the West Coast trials. For sure. The plan, right? I, um, man, you know what I noticed so much about ADCC as well? Like, just noticing the difference between the trials and the, uh, and the, the finals. Like, the single leg situation leads to the back so much, right? But people are so... Like, there's so much action in the trials because of the time limit. Like, man, the time limit's, like, it's six minutes. That's nothing. Yeah. When you're black belt, you're used to fighting freaking, like, ten-minute matches. Like, me, all three of us now have fought a ten. Like, Danny has fought an eight-minute match before. Um, and I'm going to make him sign up for adult at least one tournament. <laughs> yeah, dude, 10 minutes is forever, bro. Yeah, like, when I, I Machias, don't want to do that. <laughs> when I fought Machias at the Phoenix Open, I fought Machias Luna. It was a 10-minute match that went like 14 minutes because of how many times we like went out of bounds and penalties. I was like, dude, I've been on this mat for like a third of an hour. Like, this is, <laughs> this is crazy. I, I get that 15 is not a third of an hour, by the way. I just wanted to get that out there um, so that people aren't like, Jake's an idiot. <laughs> but, but that's my point is just, man i feel like i was out there forever um and six minutes is nothing especially when the first three you can pull guard yeah like there's no penalty i saw lachlan sit without a grip at the adcc final uh, versus yeah. uh patrick gaudio he sat without even making a grip he just sat on his butt <laughs> i was like oh my goodness I was yeah. like, this guy just did that it's crazy to me yeah, I think that we were talking earlier about how the strategies differ, right? Like that's one of the ways in terms of like IBJJF versus ADCC where you definitely see one of those like metagame uh, kind of things 
kind of go out the window because you have that three and three rule set. And then also, um, I think it's just in the finals at the trials, but isn't it in overtime in the finals, you can't pull guard. Isn't that what it is? So like even, so. so even in, inside of their own rules, there's like deviation between matches so that like, you have to like really kind of get yourself acclimated, not just to, it's like, okay, here's what it's going to be when I'm in the elimination rounds. And then it changes even when you get into those, uh, those metal rounds. Right. So like, you definitely have to change up your strategy for sure. And six minutes is not that much time at all. Like you said, especially for jujitsu where you can kind of slow it down. Um, so you got to be really on point um, strategy wise, you know, maybe those first three minutes you can kind of experiment a little bit, but in that back three, you better be really smart and, and play strategically sound. Oh, for sure. And also I feel like, man, competitors that go in with a lot of cardio in the trials um and they they do very very well because they can keep up dude six minutes that's nothing for like Ronaldo. if Ronaldo's 80 cc trials he's gonna be just fine cardio wise <laughs> like that guy he's gonna get like a 10 minute like a 20 minute break in between matches because everybody's signed 30 up matches and never get tired. 30 matches it's six minutes <laughs> you know what i mean they're gonna leisurely stroll on central park for that guy so it's like whatever but if you notice man look at the the how beat up everybody was in the finals of ADCC worlds in 2019 that's a 30 minute finals match bro that's yeah. nuts that is a long time and me i'm like you know sitting here watching uh gordon ryan versus vinicius gazola like with an insulin pen at the ready because i feel like i'm gonna have a heart attack so i i i definitely want to do ADCC trials i'm not gonna do it this year i'm gonna do it in 2022 is the next trials right after this yeah one. I'm yeah. going to do it in 2022 because I'm still focusing on gi. I don't really do no gi. I, I really want to take more gi super fights and stuff like that, uh, of which I'll have an announcement next episode. Nice. Uh, when you got planned right before, too, man, it's like they're very close. Like, I want, I mean, I'm in Florida. I want to jump into pans, but at the same time, I'm like, uh, you're not going to really be playing those strategies. You're literally just going to jump in just to jump in, basically. Like, I think I could take some guys out, but like, if I'm not going to go there to win, it's like, nah, you know, yeah, go, so I feel you play no gi. Yeah. Right? <laughs> don't make grips. Like <laughs> I do like really good. <laughs> just be like, dang, maybe I'll grapple like this from now on. Just have Joao come out and just like pull a bunch of grips on me. Joao meow and me <laughs> not make any gi grips whatsoever. Yeah. yeah right. He's like, Making wrist grips and collar ties. He's like checking your calluses. Does this guy have calluses on his fingers? <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to go back to that a little bit because I, I feel like um like I think Gordon and, and Nicholas Marigali are like two really good examples like Gordon's a no-gi guy Nicholas is a gi guy so like I don't know I, I know Gordon trains in the gi a little bit but do you feel like training in the gi is going to be like even just training is going to be like a big part of your future if you have like these huge ambitious no-gi goals uh, I think my focus will will switch to nogi, but I will say I don't think I could ever not have a gi on. Um, at like for for you know no training whatsoever. Like when I'm done competing, when my competitive aspirations are over, like I think I'm gonna see myself in a gi a lot more than probably nogi uh, at yeah. that time. <laughs> I, I really like experimenting with the gi. It's more just in a competition setting. I just don't feel like to be the best, I have everything at my disposal to be a Gi World Champion. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so it's like when I look at it, it's like I don't have the time to devote to it, you know, with my other obligations outside of jujitsu. I don't have the training structure kind of the same way that it, I would want it to be if I wanted to be a Gi World champ. Um, and the way that guys play in Gi does not suit my style. If you look at my BJJ heroes, you know, I've only had like 20 matches or so at Black Belt, but almost every one that I've won has been by sub. Um, I, I need to get better at uh, strategy and especially at Black Belt, like in a Gi, these guys, very, very small things. I like movement. I like scrambles. An advantage can end that for you in a gi match, right? Like yeah. you get into a scramble and I maybe I invite the scramble and I give up an advantage and now I'm down the rest of the match. You know what I mean? And it's very hard to, to catch back up. Whereas I can kind of play a little more in the ADCC rules, give up maybe what would be giving up some positions like i'm not going to let my guard get past or anything but maybe invite a scramble and it's not going to penalize me as much in the match you know the, the outcome of the match i think that's where i've really started that i saw the divergence but in the gym i love being in the gi like there's more options it's more fun you know in that way whereas like i have a bunch at my disposal but when i'm competing and where i think i can be the most successful where my game kind of caters to is is no gi but I love the martial art aspect of the gi. I think it's it's what brought me in originally. You know, it was the difference between that and wrestling. For sure. And <laughs> losing losing to Joao Miao, Tiago Macedo, and and the likes of like freaking Sylvia Duran, those are really really good dudes. Yeah. Who specialize in the gi, mind you. Like they're yeah. they're gi specialists. Yeah. And uh, then other than Joao, they were close. <laughs> yeah, Tiago, uh, my first match with him wasn't very wasn't very. Uh, I had like. I had Samuel Braga right before him, mm-hmm. so like three-time no, uh, world champ. So I, and I'm like a new black belt, and I was able to tap him. And I think I got into such a high that when I had Macedo next, I didn't realize like, hey, you have another like super tough dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can get as much hype, but like Macedo's a bad dude in the gi, yeah. and that guy is super guy. tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and his wife yeah. Alexa are both really, really good. In, uh, oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know he was married, but uh, no, yeah, no. He, uh, well, I'm just saying that they're like a power couple because they both win a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like she's really good too. They're both really, really good competitors. They're based out of Texas. Oh, well, okay. before Danny asks his intelligent question, <laughs> I noticed you won by calf slicer. Yeah. Now I'm not a guy that says calf slicers don't work, but I've never seen <laughs> one work. Can you? Yeah. So it was a little that one. So it was a calf slicer, but it was kind of, okay, so it was fight to win, but it was in a gi. And you know when you're in um, the saddle, right, and you have the other leg over top with the straight ankle, and then you can hook, and it's like a knee bar slash calf slicer. Mm. So, like, I don't know if it was the calf slicer that got him or the knee bar, but it got recorded as a calf slicer. It wasn't like one of the truck ones where you, like, roll and, like, hit one of those. It was from that, like, honey hole saddle whatever you want to call it position where i had the other ankle wrapped and i like scooped it and then ripped the knee bar but it like calf slices too so i think it was probably more of a knee bar but it got seth wanted to call it a calf slicer so right. it's cooler well, cool with it. i feel like it's hey, one man. of those uh is it one of those where it kind of gets like the side of the knee it's yeah like people, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it's almost inside heel hooky like not gonna yeah. lie like a 
people when they watched it were like, if that were IBJJF, like I'd be disqualified for sure. But <laughs> if I to win, I can do it. Fight to win, you can do anything. Have yeah. a knife in your key. Sends me like, <laughs> and the winner by knife stab, Adam Ferrara. <laughs> yeah, man. It's a pretty, is that a good impression? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to ask, because we talked a little bit earlier about, like, how you started, like, a little bit later than some people who have, like, the same type of success that you've had. Um, but I feel like since you started, you've been doing wrestling and jiu-jitsu at the same time. And like you said, too, you also were, like, getting a lot of submissions with knee bars and toe holds. So do you feel like that background was, like, it was almost like a perfect segue into, like, the ADCC and the professional no-gi scene? Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I always... Um especially like like I said my brown belt career was was a pretty successful one I, I I won nogi pans and then I took second at nogi worlds that same year uh and then as a black belt I took third at nogi pans so when I started having that success whenever you do I think your mind is like you know goes goes towards where you're good right um so I always kind of knew that and I always had people that were telling me like hey, man, you should really kind of think about it. But at the time, like IBJJF, like when I was coming up, like my my coaches, everybody, like that's all that they cared about, right? It was like you you go win worlds. And if you win no gi worlds, it's cool too, but it's not like gi was like the thing at the time. Uh, and I think with, you know, events like Fight to Win, Kasai, like some of those more professionalized events coming up, no gi has just exploded. And obviously athletes like Gordon, um, you know, as much as, some of the antics are annoying. He pushes the sport forward in that way. So now people are just excited about it. And I think seeing, okay, like I said, you know, looking at my game kind of objectively, I definitely think seeing the success that I was having and how I was doing it, you know, with, with uh, techniques that are normally considered, you know, um, grappling techniques, right? Or you would see strategies that work more in grappling events than straight jujitsu competition. You know, like in a gi, my um, my wrestling really amounts for very little. Um, I can wrestle off my butt and wrestle up on lapels, but uh, I'm in light feather and feather. Those guys pull guard faster than anything. Uh, and if you wrestle and they know you do, they're not standing with me for more than two seconds. Um, so getting to my game was really difficult. Whereas in ADCC, you got three minutes where they might stand with you. It's not going to hurt them, you know? So, I, but to answer your question, yeah, I definitely think seeing the success that I have and noticing that it was m more towards the no-gi side at the world level, you know, I had success in a gi, you know, I took second at pans and I had some open wins and stuff, but it was never, I never felt as good doing it. Uh, um, in the tournament, I always felt like I had to fight so much harder, you know, sometimes against my own style to be able to win matches. You know, it was like, yeah. hey, you need to pull and you need to be on bottom because you can't be on top with this guy. You know, whereas in Nogi, I, I feel like I can play on top with those guys better. Maybe I don't think my passing is better, Nogi, but my ability to stay on top from wrestling, I can turn everything into a wrestling scramble in Nogi, right? Like in mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of it's like if a guy comes up on a sweep, you can wizard and put them into them trying to fight for a single leg you can do things to kind of make it a wrestling match whereas in a gi grabbing um, pants grabbing lapels feeding collars things like that it makes it a lot more difficult to do that i think at least for me it was you know at the heavy maybe it's the division i'm into because i think at the heavier yeah. weights you see 
stand and wrestle a lot more. I think it's beating, being a lighter weight guy too, where the metagame is so guardy um, that it becomes difficult to be a wrestler top player or, you know, um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a top player, but like have a wrestling based style. I think it becomes more difficult when the guys are mostly, you know, guard arrows. Yeah, I would say, Jake, would you agree with this? Like maybe like middle weight and up is where you kind of see people start to stay on their feet a little bit longer? Yeah, a little bit. I feel like middle weight is still pull guard central. Like it's, you still see people sitting guard yeah. really quick. Even yeah, medium heavy, true. you see people do it too regarding to game plan. I think heavyweight, you see people stand for a while. Like if you saw – but it also depends on the fighter. Yeah. I think. Because, yeah. I mean, look yeah. at, like, Mateo Denise versus Lucas Barbosa, the medium heavyweight semifinal that one year. You're like, yeah. dude, these guys were on their feet the whole match until somebody missed a throw. And it's like, man, that's crazy. It looked like, a, it looked like an ultra heavyweight fight. And then you see, <laughs> you know, Gabriel Argus versus uh, Izaki, I think, starting a double pull. And then you see Hudson yeah. and Hudson um, and I double pulled when we fought. It's like... That guy's 200 pounds. <laughs> so. No, I think there are definitely guys who 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 do like even in um in feather. I mean, Tonkin Ton, uh, can wrestle. Obviously, you know, he won ADCC yeah. through just basically being really good wrestler. Same with Cobrina, he could wrestle too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think the overall metagame in life feather and feather is geared towards guys who can play and are super flexible guardy guys. I think it makes it harder for me to be able to get my stuff going. That's yeah. true. Do you, do you feel like as a, as an adjustment, you had to like opt to double pull and then come up on an advantage and force them to kind of, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm like, sometimes I don't even want to do that, man, because some of these guys are so dangerous. Like, I mean, I, I competed against, you know, Joao, uh, you know, and like, uh, it's like, I don't even, I mean, you don't really want to be anywhere with him, but it's like, you know, where, <laughs> Where am I? Where am I trying to be? Or even even Braga? I mean, Samuel Braga. It's like, do you really want to be on top when this guy is known to to bolo and and to have been one of the creators of this position? You know, um, and I just look at a lot of these guys, and it's like, where would I rather be? You know, like where where are my strengths at? And a lot of times, yeah, sometimes it's it's sitting there and double pull, <laughs> sitting there and double pull if you have. <laughs> Like you said, ten minutes is a long time. You got to find ways yeah. to slow them down. Yeah, it's very true. It, it's it's an interesting dynamic, man. Being a wrestler in a jiu-jitsu world and a lighter weight division sounds like a hard life. It's <laughs> yeah. Strange. It's strange, and even my style is kind of strange because I can play guard, but like, but I have this kind of wrestling style. You know what I mean? So I think, um, you know, just trying to incorporate it as much as possible. But I do think ADCC lends itself a lot better towards what I like to do. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. One thing that you mentioned that I thought was pretty interesting, too, is, like, how you're pretty good at, at wrestling up, like, from a seated position. Like, that's where you get a lot of your sweeps, and I feel like that's a really, really good skill for ADCC and for IBJJF. But um, do you feel like that – like, you kind of mentioned it was, like, kind of trending a little bit. Are there other guys who you see are doing that kind of effectively, even in, like, the lighter divisions? Um trying to think of some guys in the lighter divisions but i've definitely like a guy that i've definitely seen doing uh stuff that's very similar to what we like to do not in the lighter division but uh dante leon wrestles up For quite sure. a bit uh you know i like to do a lot of my stuff from reverse de la Hiva, where like i'll pretend like i'm gonna spin under then you spin back out to a single leg um you know maybe you drag with the reverse de la Hiva. 
um, those types of techniques. Um, I've, I've seen him do a lot. Um, yeah. And I think he's focused on it quite a bit. Uh, as far as in the division, uh, I did see Nikki Ryan actually do a little bit of this at ADCC, especially I think his match with uh, Shane uh, Shane Taylor, right? Yep. Uh, Jamil, I can't. Is that it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he did that. When he wrestled up, and that's how he got his kind of points. It was a weird sort of exchange, but it started from that kind of position of being in this reverse L and wrestling up primarily on the single leg. Um, another guy who actually now thinking about it in my division who I have seen do it. Uh, he's not a super well-known guy. Didn't compete at ADCC, but he won um, Nogi Pans a couple of years ago and beat Pablo Montavani in the finals. His name's Ian Sanders. Uh, and he does these doubles off his butt that are just like really, really impressive. He's able to get a lot of explosion when he like backs up, backs up, like kind of putting that backs up, backs up. And then it like power doubles through and it's impressive um but i think i've heard gary talk gary tonin talk a lot about it and he thinks it's going to be kind of the next wave uh and i wonder if it's like a placebo effect if he says it and then people do it or if it's actually yeah. just but um i do think that you're going to see more people do it for sure jake have you seen uh Isaac do that too he does a, a kind of a variation from like half guard where he feeds the lapel and then he'll kind of take his leg out and come up on a single I don't know if you guys have seen him do it, but he does so it quite a bit too. Crazy, cause the crazy, uh, craziest example I've seen of someone wrestling up is actually I fought Leo Lada in the finals of Pan Am's 2016 as my first year, and I uh, and he fed the from deep half guard. He fed a single leg, and he got up on a single leg on me twice, and I had never seen anything like that, and I to this day have never seen anybody else do that. And he got up on such a strong single leg from deep half, it was insane. And I haven't seen anything like that since. But I have seen Izaki do it. I have Dante Leon is obviously crazy at it. I tried yeah. to do it, and I got choked for it at Nogi Worlds this last year. <laughs> so I was just desperate. I was down by an advantage. And uh, I was like, well, time to get up on a double. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, that's something that like the, the Donaher team is, is kind of focusing on. Because th- I've seen either do it quite a bit too um in some of his recent nogi uh matches yeah i've heard him talk a little bit about it as well to that he's he's been that they've been focusing on it you know and i think you're gonna see it you know and then obviously i saw my i saw my friend do it you know he got to two bronze medal matches at adcc trials last year through basically he was just really good on top he knew how to loot neutralize leg attacks and then he'd get to overtime and he'd take people down he beat calistine that way he beat um uh pedro serrano who's a really good brown belt or black belt now uh, gracie baja like he beat some tough tough dudes in that division through just maintaining on top and waiting until he could get to where he was just good, you know, and I, I want to take some of that blueprint. I mean, I'm more, I will say Sal is a lot more positional player than I am. I like to go for finishes, um, not saying that he can't, but he plays a more positional game, but I definitely want to take some of that strategy that, I mean, he showed that it worked, you know what I mean? For Had sure. a light, lighter weight. And when you see your buddy do it, that you train with, I think it, you're like, okay, if he can do it, you know what I mean? Like, I can impl- implement similar strategies. Um, you know, I'm with this guy all the time. For sure. That's, uh, talking about ADCC makes... Talking about ADCC, talking about all the jiu-jitsu makes me want to compete again so bad. I'm so happy to be back. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, a, like a nerd. 
looking, looking at my phone, seeing different jiu-jitsu techniques. I'm just like, dude, it's finally back. Are you excited, man? I'm super excited, dude. Well, I've been having to quarantine for the last few weeks because my wife's pregnant. So like we're, she's oh, literally yeah. nine months. So like we're any day now sort of pregnant. Like, so the doctor was like, Hey, you need to, you know, obviously you can't be training for a couple weeks before just cause if she tests positive, then I can't be in the room and those sorts of things. So it's like, they don't even test me. They, they only have enough tests to test the mothers, I guess. But if, uh, if she tests positive, I can't be in there. So I've had to, this is the longest I've been away from training, probably like ever. It's been like close to a month, um, just waiting on the baby. So like I have, thankfully I have mats in my house and I have like a whole home gym. So I've been able to like, I have a strength and conditioning coach who keeps me, you know, in where I need to be, but it's definitely, I'm ready. I'm ready to be back. <laughs> Do you know the, the gender of your? Yeah, it's a, a little girl. Oh, wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah, man. Get her into jujitsu as soon as, as soon as we can. Awesome. Years until she can be throwing lapels and learning how to <laughs> Exactly. That's really cool, man. That's like um what like just a quick comment. I have a lot of respect for A, like you live a lifestyle that I have a lot of respect for. First of all, wrestling is super hard. Really, really, really difficult thing. You're a high school teacher. Uh what some of the most influential people in my life put me on good habits and taught me amazing things for high school teachers. And then on top of that, you're about to be a dad, which is the hardest job. <laughs> so I got respect for you, my friend. That is a, thanks man. Live in an awesome I appreciate country. it. Really, really cool. So other than the, uh, the trials and, uh, obviously your family, the new baby coming, do you have anything else that, uh, you're kind of looking forward to, um, coming up in the next like six or so months? Um, really just both those trials are, are, are kind of the big focus in terms of jujitsu. Um, really any, anything that comes through Florida, if super matches start going, um, again, you know, I'd really like to, to, to get any that I can. I, I always enjoy competing on different formats. I've done, you know, I've done Jits King. I've done uh fight to win. I've done sub stars when it was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, some other, I've done some other shows, you know, and I, I love all, all the rule sets. Um, I just want to, to get my name out there as much as possible. You know, I know being older and with, um, you know, the, the, the family I'm about to start that, uh, I, I want to have as many opportunities to do this as I can while I can, you know, I'm, I look at guys like Wagner who are like 38 still pushing and I'm hoping that that'll be me that long, uh, you know, standing career. Um, as an older competitor, but I also am, am realistic that I am an older competitor. So I want to make the most of it, really. I want to try to get as much as I can and then, um, you know, then look to build programs, whether it be the wrestling program that I'm with or my brother and I have always wanted to eventually try to open up an academy. It's just we knew that it would be once competitive sort of aspirations were we're done with what we already both of us both work full time and all that. It's like to add, uh, you know, a gym in on top would be almost impossible right now if I want to keep to the level that I'm at, you know, but I definitely eventually would like to get there. But next six months is just spend as much time with the family, get my, uh, you know, everything prioritized so that I can compete as well as possible at the trials. Like I'm going to do, the one in November and I expect to do well, obviously I wouldn't go out there if not, but I also know that I haven't been training, have the baby on the way. So you get two tries, right? So I'm also mm -hmm. focused on West coast 
as a fallback option, you know? So I always try to be realistic, right? So I know my training hasn't been as optimal as it could be, but by, but by the next trials, right? When we get to the West Coast, uh, I think that I can make it that way. So for now, getting a gauge on what it's like, because I didn't do the last trials, and then troubleshooting if need be to get ready for the West Coast. Awesome. awesome. I'm super excited. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to have some announcements coming up regarding uh, my, my – I'm going to attend. So I'm going to watch you compete, actually. I'm, I'm going to go to uh, the ADCC trials. It's going to be sick. That's awesome. I'm going to compete. I don't know. Might just do some open guard cast stuff. We'll see. But um, yeah, dude, I'm gonna be able to see you down there. I'll be able to meet you, buy you a beer. Uh, Let's do it. Know. Yeah, yeah. I don't anymore, but I will grab a beer. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'll have a beer. Just one beer, as long as I don't. Have beer. Just, just one, one beer, Jay. Come one, on. Yeah. Peer like, pressure. Hopefully it'll be a celebratory one with a nice medal around my neck. Yeah, exactly. oh, not a is. consolation beer. It's gonna be sick, dude. Well, no, the beer was for friendship. The beer was. Not oh, okay. Like, <laughs> saying, gosh, you know, how horrible that would be if I was like, hey, after you lose, I'll buy you a beer. Who says that? It'd be horrible. I'll um, get you the the celebratory beer, the winner's all right, beer. Perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. No, I uh, I'll definitely be seeing you there. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun, and. uh yeah, that's that's just my good luck to you. Good luck from Thanks, us man. here at the Open Cast, Danny. Yeah, so that's pretty much all the all the questions that I had personally. So we just really appreciate your time. Really grateful that you come on and give us an hour of your time, especially with everything you have going on and the baby coming and stuff. We know you're busy. So so yeah, is there any like sponsors or any uh, any friends or coaches you want to shout out? Um, anybody who's ever helped me, um, you know, I really appreciate it. All my training partners at uh, GF Team Fort Lauderdale, all the guys that I, uh, you know, scrap with, all my wrestlers at uh, Wellington Wrestling, you know, and, um, you know, thank you to you guys for having me on and giving me, you know, a platform to kind of share a little of my experience and my story. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Of course. Yeah. Um, we would like to thank uh, Agro Brand, first and foremost, Eddie Welch, like I said before. <laughs> Across this uh, hour and 27 minutes and 47 second period of this call, <laughs> you have to understand that we have had you in the back of our minds. We love you, buddy. Uh, Electric Performance, Alex Sterner and Alex Bryce, we're coming for you. We are going to squat and we are going to hip thrust so hard that we're going to we're gonna be wearing an extra size wasted pants next time we see you. And Alex is going to go, well, conventional wisdom will tell you that that is impossible. But anything is possible with Electric Performance. Use our discount code OpenGuardCast25. Uh, thank you, High Tier Photography, Chofit Cryo. Thank you uh, to Marcio Andre Academy and Madakaba BJJ. And I actually want to um, dedicate this episode to the family of Luke Lovenberg. Um, today is uh, two years ago today, a great friend of ours at uh, Madakaba BJJ, Luke Lovenberg, passed away. And uh, he was a brother of ours, and we miss him dearly. And uh, this episode is just kind of dedicated to his family and uh, all the lives that he touched and affected. So, everybody who was a friend of Luke, um, everybody who is at my academy who loved him dearly, uh, this episode is for you, not just for you guys, but in remembrance of him. So, uh, yeah, we love you guys uh, here at the Open Guard cast. And we are super happy that this is episode 45, man. 45 episodes of this shindig. Getting close to 50. Getting close to 50, dude. Then I'm going to tattoo my eyeball. You guys are hard working, man. <laughs> I'm not going to tattoo. You didn't even say anything about that. You just thought I was going to do that. Man. We appreciate that, man. We're, we're, we, <laughs> 45 are, we, episodes. we absolutely 
We love in 2020. All in 2020 too. We we started this uh, this year. 45 episodes year of jujitsu. Oh, dude, we had we've had some we've had some guests come on that we like we like get off the call and we call each other and I'm like, dude, (laughs) that was that was an episode. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think he was gonna say that. (laughs) Um, But you you have been nothing short of a very polite and uh, enthusiastic guest, and it's an honor to meet you. I wish you the best of luck. I'll be praying for you with your family, and uh, dude. We can't wait to see you at uh, the ADCC West Coast Trials with a gold medal firmly firmly placed around your neck. Uh, keep on double-legging life. <laughs> Duplexing hey, good luck to you at PANS, man. Thank you. I appreciate I'm there it. Open, I'll, I'll say what's up. Yeah, dude. That's and I'll send great. you a message of the announcement um, that I'll make. And uh, yeah. stick around after the call, I'll tell you. All right, cool. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? He gets the first word. He gets the final <laughs> first. All right, Danny. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening. This is episode 45 with Adam Ferrara. Definitely check him out. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next episode, hopefully in a few days.